every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time time. for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We are your hosts. Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. We are from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. They are your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. They have every sport. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Periodic Table Day to you. Your favorite element is what? Um, I, I think I think um, oxygen. Are you true? I was just going to say, are you trying to think of an element? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) You think I remember those? Kidding me? Uh, So I I think you have two options. It's either oxygen because you need it to breathe or hydrogen because, or carbon, excuse me, because we're all carbon-based life forms. So without carbon, we would not be as we are. There'd be no football. We'd have no football to talk about. So either carbon or oxygen, I think, are probably the two. Chris, are you looking at a periodic table? I see your eyes scanning your screen very <laughs> intently. I feel can't like you, you took, I, took the extra time. I, I did. I have the periodic table up on the screen, and I can't tell you the last time that I looked at a periodic table was probably science class in like middle school or high school. Yeah. And so like some of these go in numerical order, and then I got to like 56, and then there was like a big jump, and I'm like, where did they go? And then I had to look. They, they're down a little further uh, on the table. Um, I, if I had to pick, if I had to pick a an element, I would pick um, selenium TM on your periodic table. That would be the one that I would pick. Oh. Why? Just that that would be the element that I would pick. Oh, my Why? favorite uh, periodic table fun fact. I don't. I guess it's a periodic table fun fact. Is like the whole sodium chloride. That's what salt is, which is like the combination of. Like the most explosive thing called, in the world, it's and the most chemistry. Though, NACL. Yeah, there's, there's a class NACL. about that. Yeah. yeah, whatever that thing is, that you know, that whole, all the things with that. It's pretty interesting, right? Draft do you guys do you guys remember like eighth grade science with the Bunsen burners and the beakers Dude. and the the big goggles and big the gloves lab, and the you got it. The big lab tables that you would sit at wouldn't. It's not. It wasn't yes. like any other class you'd sit in. It was just like a big black lab table that you would sit at. And they were like made out of like what 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 wasn't like chalkboard material, but like it felt like you could draw on the table if you wanted to. Yeah, I remember. Did you guys have to dissect animals? I did dissecting a did. frog. Frogs. Yeah, yeah. You know, frogs we, and earthworms. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you said that. You know what we had to do in North Carolina? Pigs. Excuse me. <laughs> you know, oh, for it, the okay. second straight show, right. I'm gonna burn a timeout early. I know we only got two more. Two, two left. Pigs. 
you had to dissect how, how big was the pig. It was like a, like a, a baby pig, man. Just, I'm not going to. So quit asking. <laughs> yeah, man, a pig. Did you? <laughs> Go ahead. What do you want to know? <laughs> was that the end of your day? Was that in the middle of the day? Was that <laughs> at the start? Where, where was did, science did class to... in the day for I, you? It, shout out, Mr. Ray, uh, at Weddington High School. You know, <laughs> went to his class. Actually, it was my my second block. I hated that because I had uh, weightlifting first block and then weightlifting to science. And then I had uh, lunch. So it wasn't necessarily my favorite. So you did weightlifting and science and then went right to lunch. You had lunch at like what? Nine 30 in the morning. No, we had four classes. Four four classes. That's all you had Four. you had eight periods in the day. No, you had four classes. You had, that's it. Four periods. 90 minutes. And what did you go to? He's a regular school man. I had nine. No, I had, I I had, had nine, nine periods. periods. Had a nine nine no, 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 no. So we did. We did the first half of the year. You had four classes. Then halfway through the year, you switched to a different four classes. Yeah, we, I mean, we we changed it, and we did a quarter system too. And and halfway through, you changed. But <laughs> took an eighteen class. We had a nine year? periods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you? What? Yeah, there were, 40, yeah, there like, were like forty minute periods. Oh, um, you guys doing some different kind of stuff? World history. Man. We had. Um, Science and chemistry. I think that was with Dan, uh, Mr. Keener was, was the, the eighth about grade to call him science by his first teacher. Name? You been out drinking with him or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, what's funny is my wife did run into an old teacher that she had out at a bar one time. And like the teacher was like, Oh, let me get you a drink. Like how weird would that no, be? I can't, right? can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, I had nine periods from seventh grade through, Senior year of high school, I had nine periods in a day. Yeah, no, we had four. That's it. With the lunch baked in. Imagine. Damn favorite Keep favorite science class. Favorite science subject. Go. Uh, mm. Earth science. Okay. Well, I like the animals though. Maybe biology, but then I get a Bio- little bit too, too involved. You know. If you go biology and you take the class trips out and you like go to the creek or creek or however you choose to say it, I try to be. That was an olive branch because I say creek. But I led with Crick because I know some people say Crick. It's Crick, like, some people say Crick. Yeah. Right, right. It's definitely just, like some, just like some people call the hats on the top of your head toboggans. Toboggans, this, right? Just, no, yeah. We're welcoming of all kinds here on the yeah, show. Yeah. Like, so if you go out to the creek and you flip the rocks over and you catch the crawfish and the salamanders and stuff like that, that's my kind of. Or you go to the field and you look for so the, you like the to hawks. Herp. Herping, Excuse right? me. That's what that is when you go and try to explore the wilderness to find. To find I'm a boy scout. Of course, I like to herp. I've you never see? heard of herping, but <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to use one. I'm going to use one. Another of my three. time, we got two timeouts yeah. in the first five minutes of the show. We've We're lost everyone because when here. Joe, because the problem is when Joe suggests a word or says something, I don't know if it's true or not, or if he just made it up, herp? like the toboggan thing. Like I don't know. H e r p herp. Yeah, you know what herping is. No, I don't. No, I don't. That's why I use reptiles. That's why I used one of my three. I've well, got look it up. I was the, the correct word. I vocabulary what sub, for Joe. What subsect of the world does, is this that this needs its own phrase for amphibians and reptiles oh, okay. specifically? You want to get? Let's get even weirder. I, Joe Marino, actually oh. enjoy watching herping videos. So there's people on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> that that will go through the wilderness and like flip over tins and look and see what's underneath there, and they find all kinds of crap. 
and I watch these videos. Sometimes. Somebody who is deathly afraid of snakes should not like watching herping videos. So I like it. I have like a I I, I am a, I think I'm afraid of snakes. Snakes. I watch a lot of videos about them. So maybe like maybe maybe I'm different now. We'll you're see trying to educate I, yourself so that yeah. you're not fear of the unknown. Hey, real quick, F- physics. Does that mean it's- physics is my answer. I never got a chance to share what? my answer. Yeah, I that's took, basically I- just math. I took advanced placement physics, AP physics, baby. Oh, I I do not want to hijack this comment that I want to make here about herping. Does that mean that Steve Irwin is the goat herper of all time? I mean, he was more of a like a reptile keeper, right? He wasn't out there. Well, he no, literally, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. he literally went out into the yeah the middle of nowhere and was looking for Crocs. It is true. I think that makes him a herper. I have a stupid question. Are, are crocodiles reptiles? Oh, my God. We're football. So, are folks, uh, eight, eight minutes are and 30-plus seconds into the show is when your football talk's going to start for today's episode. Welcome in. Welcome <laughs> into the show. Um, we are going to do Vibe Association. My friend Joe wants us to do Vibe Association. Does anybody know? You guys... <laughs> And since we haven't had yes. the opportunity, yes, they to are. Do okay, so. reptiles are turtles, snakes, lizards, alligators, and crocodiles. Good to know. All right. And I've since we haven't today. had the opportunity to do so, this is going to be a vibe association for the head coaching hires slash the opening. So we'll give our thoughts on all of them. Is there a place you'd like to start, guys? No, surprise us, man. You, you're you have the ability to to do what you want to do here, Chris. Let's start with I, I think the hire that is is splitting their fan base because they got a good head coach, but I think a lot of people, including the players, wanted somebody different. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers hiring Frank Reich. I love it. I love the hire of Frank Reich. I think he should have never been fired with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think he was definitely in a tough spot there with all the turnover at quarterback year over year and some roster mismanagement. But I think he's exactly the right leader for the Carolina Panthers. He's got a lot of ties to the Charlotte area. They're, they're deep. I mean, not only did he play for the Carolina Panthers, he's the first quarterback to ever start a game through the first touchdown pass in franchise history. And then once he was down here, um, I guess I can say here because I'm in Charlotte, um, you know, he, he had a lot of personal growth where he um, you know, got his seminary degree. He was a pastor of a local church put down roots. His brother has been the head coach at Wingate University, which is um, just a little suburb outside of Charlotte. He's been there for over 20 years. I mean, there's roots here. And I like that for him. And I I think he's just gonna be a great fit. But obviously, there's a lot of disappointment from the players from from fans in the area that wanted Steve Wilkes. And I think you can make a strong case that Steve Wilkes did everything that he could to position himself to be the permanent head coach of the Carolina Panthers. But here's the thing. Dave Tepper made a huge mistake by hiring Matt Rule. Huge. And for as promising as the team looked under Steve Wilkes and how he was able to rally and, you know, get them to a position where they were kind of in the thick of the race in the NFC South, I think you want to get rid of everything that has to do with Matt Rule on your organization, and that includes Steve Wilkes because he was part of that staff. And so – I think once you can kind of come to terms with that, you can appreciate the quality of hire that is Frank Reich. The staff so far has been really exciting. Deuce Staley uh, and then Jairo Avero, the DC from Denver, 
I think this is shaping up to be really good, especially in a division that you feel like is wide open for the taking. Carolina is positioning themselves very well with this coaching staff uh, to be able to then get their roster right and really be in position to take hold of this division. I love and absolutely love the hire. Well, I mean, how do I possibly follow that up? Well, whatever you think about it, you should say. Uh, Congruency would be my word association. The Carolina Panthers have been all about trying to find themselves a young quarterback, even though they have not been in position to do so, going all the way back to when they drafted Derrick Brown instead of facilitating more draft capital to have more flexibility. It's kind of been the big, the big bullet point that's been incomplete this entire time and tenure. So to hire a coach to position you to work with a young quarterback, I think is congruency for what this team has ultimately uh, been searching for, even if I do think Steve Wilkes earned himself the job and should have in my mind got the job. If if I'm going to have a word or a, a vibe about it, it at least aligns with, with, what the Panthers have been putting down for several seasons now. You know, this is the first time in the history of the Carolina Panthers. This, I think, Kyle, you're going to appreciate this, that they've hired an offensive-minded head coach. It's never happened before. That's wild. Yeah. Now, granted, since 95, right? So Yeah, so Dom Capers to George Seifert to John Fox to Ron Rivera to Matt Rule, and here we are. I'm pretty that's sure that's it? the whole thing. Yeah. That's the entire history of Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I missed anybody. I really don't. Capers, Seifert, I'm a double Fox, check here. Rivera, Rule, Reich. Yeah, I'm, I, I. I think that's correct. Okay, so which coach has the most wins as he head coach of the Carolina Panthers? I would guess Rivera. Ron Rivera has the most wins, seventy six. Who is number two? Fox. Fox has 73. He was 73 and 71. So is that not Don Capers? Two? Don Capers and then Seifert was 16 and 32. Matt Rule was 11 and 27. Wilkes was 6 and 6. Perry Fuel in 2019. Yeah, Aaron I did was do interim coaches. Four. Yeah. And then Frank Wright. So you are correct. Huh. You are correct. Even their interim head coaches have not been offensive minded guys. That's kind of crazy. So we'll see. Real different ideology here. I'm, I'm excited. I think leadership, man. Frank Reich's that kind of guy. Going to get it right here. Well, let's weave in the place that Frank Reich came from, and that is the Indianapolis Colts, who as of this moment still do not have a head coach. They're on round 47 of their head coaching uh, interview process, and it feels like it's going to be Jeff Saturday or the field. Hmm. And I don't know who's still – I got to be honest with you, gentlemen, and, and as the producer of the show, maybe I should have ha- – I have a list ready to go. I don't know who the field is at this point. Here's here's my vibe with this situation is it better be somebody off the Eagles or Chiefs staff because otherwise you, you look like more of a clown show than you already do because – I don't know, man. I've done a lot of hiring in my life. Now, I've never done a lot of hiring. I've never hired a head coach for an NFL football team. I I acknowledge that. But throughout numerous interview processes that I've done, you know who you like. You know who you like. It's It's not hard to figure that out, especially with the depth of these 
interviews, and now there's been multiple rounds with a number of candidates. For them, to me, this signals either you don't know, which to me is crazy, or you're waiting for one of these assistants. And I hope it's one of these assistants because then you're really going to question the collaborative decision to make this higher and whether or not there's alignment between Ballard and Ursay and the other people involved in the process. I would bet it's Shane Steichen, Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator. That would be my guess. But, but my vibe association is something that I am going to make the self-conscious decision to omit so that Chris doesn't have to edit it out of the podcast. Well, they're in the upper quartile, the upper quartile, so I'm sure the candidate yeah, that they ultimately... They're not, though. They are not. higher is going to be... They're in the upper of, half of the upper quartile. Upper quartile <laughs> of the upper quartile. Uh, let's, let's go to another team in uh, that division, the Houston Texans. They get their guy, D'Amico Ryans. Signed him to a six-year contract. Love this hire. Love, 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 love this hire. Kyle takes a sip of his drink. I went first on the last two. I'm like, surely. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. I'll go. And I tried to help by throwing in my thoughts on that one. And Kyle's like, nah, nah just go ahead, guys. Congratulations to the Texans for shitting instead of getting off the pot here and actually committing to a head coach with what's presumed to be a long-term runway to actually build something of substantialness instead of just um, taking our third consecutive sabbatical year where we're just going to fill it with UDFA guys and, pick some young draft picks and and have no long-term plan or forecast. So I think that's a win. I think getting out of the Lovey Smith Tampa two system is a win. Um, uh, I certainly think Houston has a lot of pieces now to work with, but this is the first time in three years you look at what they're doing and say that they tangibly have a plan and a vision and you can start to project them to become something. And I think that's very important for the Texans with how the last couple of years have went. So I think that's that's for me. I I'm glad that D'Amico Ryan's and that hire seems to indicate we're ready to commit to be something instead of just, well, you know, I'm going to take a. What's the thing where the the kids don't work for a year when they finish college? The something year. A, a sabbatical? <laughs> no, not sa- sabbatical. Is like when you take a year off from work. It's, it's an internship. No, <laughs> Chris, don't start the whole internship debate here on the show. I don't know please. what you're. I don't know what you're asking. I will, fi- I will figure it out. There is some kind of phrase for when kids graduate college and then they go like travel backpacking in Europe for a year. All right, hold on, <laughs> Joe. I I promise this is a real thing, and it's like I, they make I, a conscious decision. I'm not going to work for a year before a I get gap into year? workplace. A gap year. Yes, the Texans took two consecutive gap years from trying to be anything at all and just said, yeah, we're, we're just along for the ride. So well, now you're no longer in, a, in Europe. Yeah. The, the, the Texans NFL's spent the last two years. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the Texans spent the last two years snorkeling in, in off the, the coast of Sydney, Australia and backpacking in Europe. And now they're back. Yeah. So I'd like to welcome been- the Texans back to actively trying to be something and competing in the NFL. Congratulations. It's music to Joe's ears. It's music to Joe's ears. <laughs> <laughs> we got three more years to finish in the top two of the division, right? We'll be Maybe they'll uh, go we'll herping. Pins and needles. Well, yeah. And then we can go herping. Their herping window is uh, probably closed, actually. Well, now it's know, time to start winning, trying to win Super Bowls again. Probably some cool reptiles down there in Houston they can find. 
Um, yeah, I think I think my big takeaway here is that we do have a direction, and that's it's really lines up with what what Kyle just said there. But um, I think that's obviously great for Houston. But I, what I really like about this is how much D'Amico Ryan's wanted to be there. You know, certainly there were other teams in the mix that wanted him and he wants to be there and that's huge. And I'm not saying that the other coaches didn't want to be there, but you know, you've got a, one of the young up and coming bright minds out there that feels like everybody has great things to say about that has a history with the organization that absolutely wants to be there and is, is now linked to the organization for six years. And so it's great for there to be a direction but also for that direction to include D'Amico Ryan's and everything that he is wanting to be part of what's going to happen in Houston. So I'm optimistic and, and excited. Sean Payton, new head coach of the Denver Broncos. This one bugs me guys. This one bugs me. I, I Sean Payton's a really good head coach. I, I think I understand it from Denver's side of things. I really do. Um, but man, it's tough. It's tough for me to swallow what they had to give up um, because I just, it's kind of like the, the Justin Tucker conversation that we have. Like, would you trade a first round pick for Justin Tucker? And what I always go back to is, well, you don't have to trade a first round pick to get your answer at kicker. And I went through this entire list of like all these really premier kickers are like day three picks. And when you look through the NFL head coaches, there's a lot of really, really good NFL head coaches out there that teams are thrilled to have and will be part of the organization for a long, long time. And they didn't have to trade anything to get them. In fact, there's only one coach employed in the NFL right now that was a trade was necessary for them to be their coach. And it's now Sean Payton. And so I think that's such a, an unusual path to get your head coach. And because of that, I'm always going to have questions about it. Um, I think, like I said, I, I respect Sean Payton, the career that he's had. I, I think he'll be a great coach for them, but I'm always going to wonder if it was necessary and what the opportunity cost was because of what they gave up to get him. Um, first of all, I like how I actually leaned into the microphone this time and then you win. So thank you for that. Uh, I think my vibe is what better way to try to write a chemistry experiment gone wrong than to conduct another massively large chemistry experiment. Right? Where this yes, is not just hiring a coach. It's hiring Sean Payton and trading draft capital to get him and instilling him in place where if one of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton goes, it's going to be Russell Wilson that goes, right? So, yeah. it, it, you have really just doubled down on, on the investment and, and cost yourself another significant leap of faith for something that no coaching hire is guaranteed to work, but it, it makes making this work all that much of a high risk or high stakes game. And it could go very well, but it could also not go well at all. Well, and I mean, for as good as Sean Payton is, he wasn't immune to three consecutive seven and nine seasons with Drew Brees as a quarterback with the Saints. Like that happened. 
And the most important thing that an organization has to get right is their head coach and their quarterback. And when you consider what Denver has now parted with to get their quarterback and to get their head coach, I I appreciate the premium value placed on getting that right. But again, necessity and then results. And so far we're one year into Russell Wilson. And I've, I've kind of had this approach of look, Russell Wilson didn't become the world's worst quarterback overnight, right? There's, there's nowhere to go but up. I think there's a, an ascension, right? I mean, we talk about regression to the mean. There's probably a uh, whatever the inverse of that is um, that's going to happen here. And so I think he'll be a better player, and certainly Sean Payton can help unlock that. But, man, it's just, it's just a lot to have invested in just getting Russell Wilson and Sean Payton in your building. The last coaching job that we have to talk about is one that is not filled. The Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. I think that silence no, said it all there. No good answers. My my getting, vibe is they there, keep getting rejected. There's no good answers for this job. Because you have a franchise quarterback who's hurt, who's going to miss the first half of his rookie season. And the concern that I've always had with Kyler is Kyler had a coach that was brought in with him to literally tailor what they do offensively to maximize who Kyler Murray is and what Kyler Murray can do. And in my mind, there's nowhere to go offensively than down. And Kyler has an attitude problem. So you pair those two things together new management, new front office. Who would possibly want to take this job? I don't blame no one for wanting this job. If I had one crack to be a head coach, I don't think I would sign myself up to take this job. It's my vibe. So I I a little bit disagree with the whole Kyler being hurt takes away from the allure of this job there. I think there's a lot that takes away from the allure of the job, but to me, it's not necessarily because Kyler is going to miss probably at least half the season. To me, that actually makes it attractive where you have this window to where I, you know, nobody's going to expect anything from you, right? You, you don't have your starting quarterback and eventually you'll get that quarterback, but there'll be so much good communication, mental reps and those types of things that I feel like you can hit the ground running. To me, that somewhat makes it attractive. I think the issue here is Michael Bidwell. Who wants to work for this guy? Like you said, like this is your chance. You're going to be an NFL head coach. And we know how important the organization is from the top down and that ownership and how they can really be prohibitive to winning. And I feel like Bidwell is one of those guys. And I think you can look at just the behavior recently with, how long of a leash Steve Kime had and the dynamics that existed there and extending these guys only to fire them less than a year later, you know, whether that's Cliff and Kime, um, the makeup of the roster, like there's not a whole lot of appeal there. And then you have to ask yourself questions about Kyler. If you think that he is a legitimate franchise quarterback that you love 
And and I don't. I I've never felt that way about Kyler Murray. And you're committed to him with that contract. And so I just feel like there's so much here that makes it makes it not an attractive opening. And I'm unsurprised that people have rejected it. I'm unsurprised that they're at this point in the process and don't have an answer. And um, you know, I, I think I think it's just an unfortunate situation where you your ownership is just it's just always going to make your your organization a little bit undesirable. Well, the, you're also putting the new coach in a terrible spot, right? Because this new coach is signing on board, knowing that the first year that they're going to be the coach, they're probably not going to have Kyler Murray, but they're still going to be judged based on that performance. And then they then really, their job really is not going to start until year two. And so it's just a weird circumstance of a situation to, to, to hop on board to. And that's why you're seeing people like Brian Flores, who interviewed for the job when they hired Cliff, and then interviewed multiple times for this round, say, you know what? No, thanks. I'll go be a DC somewhere. Like, that's and now right. the two yeah. the two candidates that are left are what? Mike Kafka and Lou Anarumo. And like, yeah, those those are quality candidates considering their respective pedigrees on their sides of the ball. But in terms of what they're going to be able to provide for you in year one, it's tough. You know what's interesting about both of those? If we're calling it, it's Kafka and Lou Anarumo. Anarumo. That's um, it. Those are the two. You names. know what that you know what that says to me? Those guys are X's and O's guys, right? Those are really good scheme guys. I'm not saying they're not great leaders, right? I don't I don't know enough about them to to comment there, but they're really good X's and O's guys, which was kind of Cliff's for like that was his thing, right? He had this air raid system that, you know, introduce it to the NFL and, and see what happens. And I mean, as for as much as we fall in love with cool schemes and all that it comes down to leadership especially in a place like Arizona with the state of their roster and the quarterback that you have I almost feel like Brian Flores might have been the right guy until 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 you realize he has to work with Kyler Murray but that's kind of what makes it attractive to me Joe he had nobody left in the book to call to run his offense by the end of his well, third yeah, that's year. A good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's unless good point. he's unless he's going to do the whole Matt Patricia thing and do it himself. Mm. That's that's Brian's biggest hiccup. People will talk about the combativeness or, or collaboration with the, the Dolphins drop when they said they they were going to make a change. I. Brian, coming from the Patriot system, of course Brian is going to want more imprint and say and leverage and directive control in player personnel. Every Patriots assistant that has ever became a head coach found themselves in those exact same shoes. That's who he, that's who he's been groomed to be by Bill Belichick because that's what Bill Belichick was. So I don't really buy that as like this big fatal flaw, but at the end of the day, Brian had four offensive coordinators in three years. And it got to the point where he hired somebody with two years of high school or of college coaching experience, period, to run the playbook for the first month of the season in 2021 because he was to his counselor at Elite 11, Charlie Fry. Like that's how thin, by the end of year one, you called up Chan Gailey. Because it was Fitz as the incumbent quarterback. 
And then Chan got run out of town despite the Dolphins scoring 400 points for the first time in a season since like 93 because they, for some reason, flipped Tua into the lineup and Tua knew like 40% of the playbook. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to promote from within. We're going to take our tight ends coach and our running backs coach and make them co-OCs. But neither one of them is going to call it like it's. He doesn't know anybody for the offensive side of the ball. So I think for Brian, the best decision that he was was to go somewhere else, kind of get into a new coaching tree a little bit. He certainly wasn't going to get the offensive contacts he needed in Pittsburgh with Matt Canada. So go work with Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. Get a couple years where you you learn some new offensive coaches and, and then make a run of the second head coaching game. But... That was the thing for me was like, who who in their right mind thinks that Brian Flores with no contacts left to run his offense would be a good idea in Arizona? And then you put in the Kyler. If Brian hated Tua Tungvaloa, I promise you he's going to hate Kyler Murray. So let's let's can we talk about Brian Flores a little bit here? Because uh, yeah. I, I I'm really interested. Um, <clears throat> how do you reconcile everything that you just said? So, yep. Some of Flores's tough ideology, right? Yep. Just it's 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 there against success. Right. right? Like an organization where there was an alignment, uh, a roster that still had a lot of work to do. And to to get what he got out of that team, it's, it's got to count for something. It does count for something. And I, I think Brian. On his respective side of the ball is a master of his craft. You know, there's a lot of assistance that you hire, and the question is, okay, are you taking a peripheral piece of what the identity was of what this team was that did did well that we want to be able to replicate? I think Josh Boyer was that for the Dolphins when they dismissed Brian Flores and tried to run the same defense. Well, Brian, from a defensive coaching standpoint, is a master of his craft. Uh, he is a hard-nosed coach. He's not for everybody. He's abrasive at times, but damn it, he's going to coach you hard and he knows he's good at game management type stuff. He's good at situational football. His teams were good on special teams. His team was were disciplined. They weren't penalized. They didn't beat themselves. And we've talked about that before. Teams in the NFL, just as much as you are beaten, you beat yourself. Yeah. And Flores' teams rarely did that when they were at maximum capacity as far as, as health and availability goes. So I think that for Brian, there, there's pros and cons to Brian. But for a team like Arizona, that's all about scoring points and playing offense. And I just don't think it was the right kind of marriage between what Arizona has shown themselves as wanting to be, who they've committed themselves to being with Kyler Murray as the quarterback and who Brian Flores is as a coach and what his, his, coaching network is going to allow him to do chris what's the pulse down there in arizona what's uh what are people saying what are they thinking they certainly are looking at the fact that it appears as though they've been turned away by multiple people when it comes to this job opportunity they were turned away by for one gm uh candidate who said no i'm withdrawing my name from consideration brian flores was was like not publicly by the team, but was leaked as one of the three finalists earlier this week, like two days ago, he was listed as one of the three finalists. And then it's like, Nope, I'm going to go take a DC job. You were just named one of the three final finalists for, for this job. 
and you go and take a, a, another DC job. Sean Payton was here, visited, interviewed, met with everybody. Now, I'm going to go to Denver. So, like, they've been turned away by some of the big fish that they have tried to to get in both of their both their GM and their head coaching search. So I think there's a little trepidation. But I also think that Cardinals fans are coming around to the idea of, maybe not coming around to the idea of, but learning to accept the fact that 2023 is going to be just a redshirt season for this head coach and for them as a team. Kyler's not playing the first year. half of the season. It's a gap year. Yes, it's yeah. a gap Cardinals, year. Cardinals are going to go herping. I mean, that's what and it's going to be. Great place. A lot, yep. a lot of stuff down there, right? Yep. I mean, that's what it's going to be. And so really. Real monsters and stuff. This Javelinas. Javelinas. Got to watch out for those Javelinas. You're not you know herping blind, for Javelinas, though. You got to watch out for them while you're herping. Do you know they're blind? Blind pigs that just run wild. I am aware that blind. they're blind. And, yeah, it's just a they, wild and they, statistic. And they go, off of, they go off of scent. So if they smell you, then they charge. It's very <laughs> weird. It's a very weird creature. Um, so they are, you know, they. I think they understand what this is going to be. And so really, you're hiring a head coach and a GM who are going to be able to probably lay the groundwork. But 2024 is kind of when all this is going to get put together. So just a weird situation for a team that, you know, a year ago just gave their coach and GM and quarterback all extensions and now probably just kick two years down the drain. Anything else? No. Well, little Good. vibe association for you on In the Tuesday. books. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks to our friends over at Bet Online for their continued support of the podcast. We trust you'll make it a great day. Come on back and see us again tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Hey, you hear that? That's what home field sounds like. It's how you know it's time to go for the win. Gambet DC is your home field advantage for sports betting. Bet from almost anywhere in DC with an easy to use app and convenient betting locations district wide. Online, in app, or in person. Get the home field advantage with Gambet DC. Must be 18 or older to bet. Please play responsibly.